Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Parts busy day for yours truly. Doing a couple of radio hits earlier throughout the great state of Missouri. You know, they're acting as if. Don't even show up, right? I mean, it's this one's taken care of. They remember 20 nothing the first time. That these two teams got together, and it's a very difficult place to play. I got to say, I've been lucky enough to go to every NFL stadium, and in most cases, at least twice, Arrowhead does have a little bit of that college feel. You know, and and I, I say this out of respect. I'm not saying it, um, with disrespect, but I, I think the NFL, for the most part, is more of an upper-class type of crowd. It's expensive as hell to go to these games. And, you know, you got a lot of businesses to get together, and and it, it costs a lot. Where you go on campus, you know, hopefully you got 20, 25, 30,000, uh, if not more, students who have student tickets, and they're getting in there, and they're having a great time. And also on the college deal on a Saturday, I mean, you can hold 80, 85, 90, 100,000, where most NFL stadiums are even less than what we saw here the last couple of weeks, where the Jaguars sold everything out, you know, just a smidge more than 70,000. It's just a different deal, college and pro. And again, I'm not saying that with disrespect, because... You know, the Duval fans here have been absolutely spectacular. But the fan base at Arrowhead is different. That's unlike anything else I've ever seen. Buffalo's really good. Uh, You know, Lambeau and the Green Bay Packer fans are, are, are pretty decent. I do think the loudest, the two loudest ovations I've ever heard on the road uh, would have been when J.J. Watt ran out of the tunnel. Uh, for Houston Strong right after the hurricane. But I think that was a that was a one-time deal. After that, you know, those big old Texans kind of sat down and molded uh, into their chairs. I, I think when John Bon Jovi got up in between the third and fourth quarter out of Robert Kraft's booth before you had the massive meltdown of Nate Hackett and Doug Marone and simplified, um, you know, Brandon Staley, Joe Lombardi style of offense that we witnessed just two nights ago, saying, um, hanging on a prayer, whatever it is, living on a prayer, that was pretty out of control uh, as well. But it's a tough place to play. It's cold. They stole, uh, you know, they stole the war chant 
uh, from Florida State, like so many others have. And I, I just think it's a difficult place to play a football game. I think if we uh, rewound the tape, you would hear me say this now for six consecutive Mondays or Tuesdays. You don't want to get down going to Arrowhead. You don't want to be down 17 or 9 or 17 or 10 or 27 like they have in the last five games, and somehow they have found their way back in. I was asked during both interviews that I did today, radio interviews, how did Jacksonville come back down 27 nothing? And I basically just gave them, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. At the two-minute warning, you know, Jacksonville came back. They had the football. Trevor Lawrence goes 23 of 29 for 253 yards, four touchdowns, with a quarterback rating of 142.6. They scored on each and every one of those five possessions, four straight touchdowns and a game-winning field goal. And on the other side, they held Los Angeles to one field goal. And again, it was coaching that was the difference. So, you know, we were sizing up the game. And I was asked, well, what does Kansas City have that you think is different than what you just saw the other night with Los Angeles? And, you know, right out of the gate, I said, well, the obvious answer is Patrick Mahomes. I'm not trading Trevor Lawrence for anyone in the National Football League except for Patrick Mahomes, okay? He, he is the best player in the NFL, in my opinion, period. The second thing is you have a much better coaching staff in Kansas City. If Kansas City's up 27 to nothing, they're going to run the ball, they're going to simplify some routes, throw some short stuff to Kelsey and others, and take some clock, not turn into complete, absolute morons, the way that Brandon Staley did. So, you know, you have to cite experience now, coaching once you get to this point of the season. What do we have? Two coaches, or is it three, who have actually won a Super Bowl who are still out there? Mike McCarthy in the NFC, and then in the AFC, you have Doug Peterson and Andy Reid. Am I missing anyone? I don't believe I am. The other five. Shanahan was very close. He was he was about as close as you could come. As a coordinator, though. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. Um, Play caller. But that's a difference. Okay? I You know, I spent last week bragging about the intangibles here. L.A. has no fans. L.A.'s got to take the long trip. L.A.'s got to come here with a fired up, uh, you know, a fired up bunch and um, just how difficult that is going to be, and then again, you know, the next thing you know, uh, you're down 27 nothing. It's the same deal here now. Jacksonville goes out on the road. Those folks in Kansas City right now, there won't be one member of the Kansas City, and, you know, whether you go through the state of Missouri or you go to anyone else that covers football around there, whether it's St. Louis, you slide back over to the state of Kansas, I don't know, all of the folks in those parts. You're not going to get one who's going to go out on a limb here and say, take Jacksonville in the upset uh, during the divisional round. That is a well-coached team. That is also a tournament-tested team, okay? They've been in the biggest of the big games. They've been to Super Bowls. They've been to divisional rounds. They've been to championship rounds. 
They've been in big, you know, heavyweight fights uh, like what we saw last year in that matchup between Kansas City and Buffalo. This is all new for Jacksonville. They picked up their eighth playoff win. It was their first since January of 2018. But it came in such a spectacular fashion that I sit here today and I believe there's a chance. And, and, and that's really all you can ask for at this point. I mean, when you win games the way that this team has won games, when you come from behind the way that this team has come from behind, logic tells you that sooner or later it's going to bust. You, you can't keep doing this every week. And, you know, I love what we heard from Trevor Lawrence today. You know, improvising at the line of scrimmage, right? It, you know, I guess we can call it an audible or I guess we can call it uh, just um, freelancing. But to have a play that's called for the two-point conversion and literally at the line of scrimmage, Trevor Lawrence thinks that he can make a play on his own. He calls his own number and he does it. And he comes out today smiling telling us about it. He's 23 years of age, growing up right in front of our eyes. It's really frustrating that they're in a coma early. And it's Kansas City, and then I believe it's Buffalo. Hell, it could be Cincinnati. But let's just play the the higher-ranked seeds, okay? Two of the three teams you've already faced, Kansas City and Philadelphia. And if you look at those situations, you had a 14 nothing lead in Philly. You had a the you had a chance for a 51-yard field goal and the elements were not good. You elected to go for it on fourth and two and it was the first of four fumbles on that afternoon for Trevor Lawrence. Okay? You get through Kansas City, you get through Buffalo, you get through Philadelphia and Arizona for the Super Bowl if all the top seeds win. You can't trail like this. So that's where I'm at now. There's not a lot to complain about. There's not a lot to be um, concerned about because this football team responds. They're a second-half team. They're a fourth-quarter team. They have phenomenal fight. They're well-coached. And it seems like each and every week there's someone else giving you another outstanding performance, perhaps something that you did not envision going into the game. Let's take Walker Little this past week. 39 pass drops, okay, zero pressures. How about Roy Robertson-Harris on the last couple of weeks? How many times on this show have I said that he's done at the end of the year? Cost too much, you know, say goodbye to him, cut him. And, you know, I was saying about Rayshon Jenkins for quite some time. Kind of got away from that after the way that he has played so far this year. All of a sudden, now you're like, can you redo these two contracts? Uh, But the point I'm trying to make is the deeper you get into this, there's no flybys here. There's no mistakes here. There's no mulligans here. You you may want to bring up Brock Purdy, okay, because he's the third quarterback in um, in San Francisco, and okay, I, I'll listen to you there. But my, my point is, look who's left. Look at the teams. Look at the quarterbacks. Look at the coaches. Look at some of the stars 
you cannot let this team get a huge lead in a game of this magnitude. And I just gave you the examples of what they've done and how they've been behind, and they have been able to turn it completely around and win. That's not going to happen in a place like Kansas City. You know, if there's one thing that I wish that this football team would do, regardless of the outcome, wake up in the first half. Seriously, what's going on? Why are you so bad in the first quarter? And I, I, I know that it's not really the norm to complain about something when you're winning, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. You can't do it again. Y- you keep getting away with it. And it's amazing. I mean, 27 nothing. it's amazing. 27 nothing with a totally incompetent coaching staff in Los Angeles. Today, they all got fired, right? Most of the offensive coaches were fired today. Brandon Staley's going to survive this. How are those players ever going to play hard for Brandon Staley? You're not going to get that with Andy Reid, okay? And I know Jacksonville came back earlier this year. It was, what, 20 nothing. It ended up being 27-17. So what does that mean, Baloo? That means Jacksonville scored 17 points and Kansas City only scored seven. Well, yeah, but you spotted them 20 points. You can't spot them 20 coming up on Saturday. Why not score first? Why not get a Riley Patterson field goal in the first quarter? Why not put together some really good Trevor to one of his wide receivers? And I don't know. Let's let the Jacksonville Jaguars get up seven to nothing in a football game. It, it would be like it, it would time would stop. It, it's just amazing to me. So I'm just trying to point that out. Okay. They've been on thin ice forever. They just keep finding ways, you know, winning with defensive touchdowns. If you don't make that defensive play against Tennessee, are we even still talking about the playoffs and things along those lines? Probably not. I mean, Trevor had three down games. They had a really bad first half the other night. What? Why? Why is that happening? And are you convinced that they can wake up and play some football in the first 30 minutes forever. It's been said you can't lose a game. You can't win a game in the first quarter, but you can lose it. Well, Jacksonville did their best to lose it on Saturday night. But because of an inept coaching staff in L.A., they turned it around. They won that game. Not with Kansas City. Not with the best player in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes. Not with one of the best coaches in the NFL and Andy Reid. You trying to tell me that if Andy Reid had a 27-0 lead, you don't think he would have found a way to run out that clock or at least take big chunks of the clock? Just wanted to get that off my chest. Wanted to do it tonight as we do things a little bit later here on this Tuesday. I'm as happy as you are. I, I just, you know, they, they need a big John Henderson face slap. Seriously. That's what this team needs right before the start of the game. Because they're not awake early, yet at some point they get it and they flip the switch and they keep avoiding destruction and finding ways to win games. 
no longer can that be the recipe. you got to get out early or the, your season is going to come to an end. All right, tonight as we do each and every Tuesday night, we allow you to uh, get into the program. Uh, certainly much is already coming in. On the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, that number is 641-1010. Also, phone calls tonight. All right? Jaguar fans, 641-1010. Still time to look back as to what happened here against L.A. And if you're already looking towards Kansas City, tonight is the night for you to get on in. We take phone calls here during a Tuesday. Again, the phone number is 641-1010. Are we on YouTube tonight, JJ? We are on YouTube as always. Go to the 1010XL YouTube page. Give us a click, a like, share us with your friends, and uh, join the conversation. We already have a few people on there. 10-0, Is that the case Saturday night? Could it be a 10-7 game? Could it be a 7-7 game? What do you think? I just spent five minutes complaining about how the Jaguars are asleep in the first quarter. But what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? I think it'll be closer. I don't think the Chiefs will go out to a few-score lead. I do expect the Chiefs to win the game, but I think around halftime it'll be closer than normal, honestly, because they've been – they're probably being told all week we have to get a, you know, a fast start. I don't know. Maybe Doug starts with an onside kick he joked about earlier this week. I don't know. So I just can't see them going down – Three scores in the first quarter, first half like that. What do you think out there, listeners? Let's give you an opportunity to get on in. Six four one ten ten. We do it right here on Tuesday nights. We take your phone calls as well. You can get us on the text line. Same number. Six four one ten ten. Great to have you with us. He's JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. This is into. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Little tip for you tonight. For those of you traveling, each game gets bigger, each game gets better, each game they wheel in. In some cases, fly in. The ladies of the night. Be careful. Kansas City. Buffalo, Phoenix. Didn't Warren Sapp get popped in Phoenix? Oh, yeah. He got in a physical altercation because he said she she charged too much or something. It was above what had been agreed upon earlier. He was at the game last night. If a hooker charges you too much, you can't outwardly <laughs> well, battle did. that to the point where you get arrested <laughs> and lose your job with yeah. the NFL Network. <laughs> That's exactly what I happened. mean, aren't you better off just paying her what she wants so you don't get your name in the newspaper and you keep your job? You know, some of us make decisions differently. And he felt like his uh, his code of ethics was violated, and I'm with him. I tell you what, I'm not going to pay you what you think I should pay we, you. Oh, you yeah, told really? me it was this, and it was this, and... Yeah, you, sometimes you have to defend yourself to the media. Well, I'm going to call the police, <laughs> and you're going to be out of a job. That's what ended up happening. Uh, the 9225 says, J.J., uh, let Rick know Shanahan was a head coach of the 49ers when they lost in the Super Bowl, not just a play call. You're exactly That's right. That's not the game I meant, though, and Rick knew that. Yeah, I was thinking of the Atlanta game. Yes, me too. 
when it was Shanahan. So you are, we are correct. both wrong. Well, well, because I remember being critical. How do you go ahead and hire this guy after he sat on a twenty-eight three lead? I guess they were very close to winning that Chiefs game. Um, mm-hmm. If if Jimmy G hits that completion, it's it's a wrap. Right. We're going to grab these phone calls. What a sad ending if, in fact, that was the case last night for Tom Brady. Yuck. Just a disaster. It, it looks like he doesn't want to get hit. It looks like his offense, there's, there's zero separation downfield. I mean, he had one to Mike Evans. My, you know, the Mike Evans we know makes that grab. He did not last night. Um, remember the whole story about the red pen? about how Brady and Leftwich put together their offensive game plan and Bruce Arians grabbed the red pen and did this and did that. To me, that's still one of the biggest untold stories of the NFL, the flat-out firing of Bruce Arians and putting him upstairs. Bruce Arians did not take any crap, and I'm a huge Brady guy, but you really get the feeling that Brady ran that asylum that he ran everything, and he was telling left what he was going to do. He was telling everyone else around what he wanted to do. With Bruce Arians being there, that wasn't the case. They won a Super Bowl with Bruce Arians. We'll see what happens with Tom Brady. I, I have a feeling he could go to Miami. I have a feeling he could go to Las Vegas. I have a feeling he could go to San Francisco. I don't think he'd go back to New England because New England is not a playoff caliber team. In my opinion, I, I think Miami, Las Vegas, and San Francisco are better teams. Look at the weapons he would have if he went to Las Vegas. If you're San Francisco, do you even want Brady, though? Well, I think they would. I think they would like him for a year or two. Remember, he is from there. He is from the, you know, northern part of California. He is 45, though. Jeez, he just looked. He looked awful last night. He looked like a 45-year-old last night. And pretty much all season. I mean, he he can't move. They have zero run game. And he doesn't throw the ball farther than 10 yards. It's all like dump down stuff. It's It was hard to watch. I mean, it, with the kicker missing for Dallas, that was really the only thing that kept me watching. <laughs> I was just like, hey, if Dallas scores another touchdown, is this guy going to miss another extra point? Boy, how bizarre was that? That was weird. I, that was very, like, Chuck knoblock You have to make a change, and they say they're not. Well, they're he gonna, made the last one. They're going to stay with and him. And he's been good all year. I know. I looked at his numbers. They were absolutely spectacular. Somehow I had a, I had a uh, got hold of them a little bit earlier uh, today. Kicking is such a mental thing. Uh, that's really all. Like, it, if you lose, like the first two, he shanks right, and then you could tell he was overcompensating on the third one. It goes left, and the fourth one I don't even remember. Um, and I actually wasn't watching when he made the fifth one. I'd like to see Tom Brady re- come back for one more year. Me too. I don't want to see him go out like that. I wonder about New Orleans and Sean Payton, if he comes back. But, you know, I read a clause today where Brady, if he doesn't go back to Tampa, there's a big cap hit for Tampa. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of him and his free agency status. I was going get, to get a little bit more clarification on it, but I, I figured there were more important things to get to uh, for tonight's show, and that will certainly clear itself up 
once we head towards free agency, which, believe it or not, is literally right around the corner. It's, it's crazy. It's the 17th day of January, and we're talking Jaguars football because they have a huge one coming up Saturday in Kansas City. All right, let's kick it off by going to Danny, who goes into the night with Rick Ballou. How you doing, Danny? Doing great, Ballou. I like the program. I appreciate your analysis. I think you do a pretty good job overall. And I think most of us kind of want some analysis and not just, you know, the gland handing, but I think you do a good job. A couple of things on offense and defense. Um, Coach Felton here, Coach Danny. I think I'd come out throwing, and I think I'd throw for the first three downs, and I'd give Trevor that confidence. Maybe the first pass would be like a uh, receiver screen, something like that. Let him get a couple of passes under his belt. You know, the interceptions are all from the last game. But I'd come out throwing, okay? And I would also, during the game, make sure I throw the ball to ETN. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not on the first set of downs, but, you know, have him come out to the side. And uh, if he's a decoy, then find somebody else. And defensively, I would do this. Patrick Mahomes is not running the ball outside ever, ever. Josh Allen is on the end, or Walker, or Trayvon's on the end. If he's going to run, it's going to be in the center of the field. Because mm-hmm. he will get his yards, we know that. But he will not get outside. Uh, and, uh, and that's kind of my take on the game, you know, defensively, okay? Because he's going to get his yards, we know that. Yeah. Hey, listen, I appreciate you getting in. And, um, you know, I... I understand with what you're saying, particularly early, but I, I'll tell you what. Those receivers were not getting open early in the game. They they just were not. Now, you know, maybe you're talking about some sort of uh, of screen where you kind of dumb it down uh, for Travis Etienne. And, you know, my, my guess would be this. This year or next year, one of the biggest differences that you are going to see is Travis Etienne catching the football out of the backfield. I mean, he only caught what? 33 balls this year. Let me look it up real quick. Uh Travis Etienne um where where did I do it here? All right. Travis Etienne 35 receptions in 17 games. That's not nearly enough. This guy's numbers increase year after year after year at Clemson. We thought he was going to get like five catches a game. I really year. did. I mean, I to to me this should be a 60 to 80 receptions you know, a year. We just saw Aguilar come in, or Eckler, excuse me, uh, come in. He, he caught 107 balls. Now, you know, listen, I, I do understand there, there's only one football to go around, and on this team this year, you had, what, three guys who caught more than 70 footballs. If you look at uh, Christian Kirk and, and Zay Jones and obviously Evan Ingram, let, let me find the numbers for you. Right here, 84, 82, and 73. So that's pretty impressive right there. You know, with two receivers and a tight end. What did we hear about Doug Peterson when he got here? Loves to throw to his tight end. Loves to throw to a running back out of the backfield. And, you know, the obvious feeling was because Trevor and Travis had worked together for three years in college and, of course, we all remember that Travis wasn't here last year because of the injury. He was here, but he did not play. That that was something that would pick up. Now, he gave you more than 1,100 yards on the ground, but I did expect him to catch more 
than only 35 passes. So uh, perhaps that does become what they try to do on Saturday. You know, some easier routes. Guys getting open. You go back and you watch the second half of that game. And, and you know, first of all, you look at Joey Boza. Yeah, jo- Joey Boza. I, Joey Boza. I'm trying to be kind here. Joey Boza looks like he should work at a carnival. Okay, that's probably the best way that I can describe Joey Boza. And, and, you know, the guy could probably rip off my head by just breathing on me. But there's something wrong there. There is a serious screw loose with Joey Boza. And he's complaining about the officiating. You've got to be kidding me. The officiating was terrible the entire game for both teams. The defensive backs for Los Angeles were physically assaulting Jacksonville's wide receivers. Okay? I mean, it felt like it was pass interference almost every call. And it went uncalled. On the flip side, I I know that I get it everywhere I go, and I'm sure that it's a talking point here in town. It looks like Jawan Taylor is jumping back to pass protect from the right tackle position before the ball is being snapped. We said it last year. We've said it this year. I don't know if he's ever been called on it. So, obviously, he's checked, and they're letting it take place. But for Joey Boza to make comments like that is just so incredibly wrong. And because of his selfishness, in picking up that 15-yard penalty, you move that ball up, what, a yard, and the next thing you know, you have Trevor Lawrence at the line of scrimmage taking it in himself. I mean, just unheard of. Who goes for two when you're down 30 to 26? Who goes for two? Doug Peterson goes for two. And that's what we talked about when we got here, and that's what we saw when he went for it on fourth and two uh, at the 34 at Philadelphia, up 14-0. Because what Doug Peterson is doing, which Todd Bowles did not do last night when he didn't go for it on fourth down when they were down by, I think it was 12. At midfield. At the time. Certainly Brandon Staley and that gutless crew. Look how gutless Mike McCarthy was here with an opportunity to win that game. One forty-three to go. All you got to do is pick up one first down and you win the game. And the, I don't care, the whole world knew that they were going to run it on first and second down. They picked up no yardage, and Jacksonville burned their timeouts. Then they throw a 40-yard pass down the left sideline. That's bad coaching. Doug Peterson tries to win games. Again, I'm not afraid to be the what-if guy. What if they don't get that two-point conversion? The whole world would have said, what in the hell are you doing going for a two-point conversion when you're down four? You kick the PAT, you're down three, you hope you get the ball back, you try to tie it with a field goal. Under that case, you would have had to have win it with a touchdown. But Doug Peterson, he told us, he told the media, and, and, and us in the media, we're there for one reason and one reason only, to deliver the message to you. The Jaguar fan. Peterson said he's going to do his best to try to win. And look at some of the calls that he's made. 
win or lose here against Kansas City, he's not going to go down like Nate Hackett and Doug Marone. He's going to try to win this game. And fans of this team, you've got to be tickled by that. That at least he's trying to win games. Let's go to Brooks. He is next. He goes into the night. Welcome. Hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, long, long time listener. I want to I start by giving a shout out to my boys. Uh, Nick and Alex actually left the uh, left the game early this past weekend. And oh, gave uh-oh. Yeah, cat. No, exactly. I've been saying it for weeks, just like you are. That's like we can't can't keep going down. It's eventually going to catch up to us, and you know, let's just hope hope they can get out to a quick uh, fast start. But I want to point something out too that not many people have mentioned that the real turning point of the season. You know, we were two and six, down seventeen nothing to Las Vegas, and Devontae Adams was doing whatever he wanted with us, and we somehow, you know, just just flipped the switch, and you know, from there, it's just been been an incredible run. Uh, but yeah, no. After the game on um, Saturday too, you know, me and my buddy, buddy James, got back to the beaches and headed headed to Waffle House, and we were actually there when Trevor showed up. But probably like the craziest day ever. But I'll uh, go ahead and take my call off there. Now, hold on one second, because I I've heard a lot about the Waffle House story, but I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not a warm and fuzzy guy, so I've kind of avoided it. I've seen the headline. I've seen what did he get? Did, obviously, he was recognized. So did he get an ovation when he walked in? Yeah, the, he had an ovation. You know, like everybody was going nuts, and it seemed like I don't know if it's like Waffle House always does it or whatever, but he had like a, like an armed guard kind of with them, just kind of make like monitoring their corner, making sure you know, because you know how Waffle House can get at two a.m. So yeah, you know, oh yeah, had, yeah. It was like Sheriff, Sheriff Walker Little, um, Dan Arnold, and uh, Logan Cook, and then just like all their girlfriends and some other friends. So yeah, it's apparently was, they had like twenty people. Yeah, it was wild, and the only reason our timing lined up is because my one buddy was had a, threw a, cu- a couple too many back and didn't get into the surfer bar, so we had the audible <laughs> waffle house. I hate that place it. anyway. They threw him out of surfer. <laughs> all right, Brooks, good stuff. Thank you very yes, much. Sir, it was good, yeah. All right, I don't know if I've ever gone late night to a breakfast place what? sober. Oh, yeah, never. You got to listen to me. Yeah, that C- was complete my bad. Deci- my I mean, bad. now after a lot of... After some cocktails, it, there may not be a there may not be a better uh, food group to go after. Couldn't agree more than waffles and you know if it's not the waffle house somewhere else, you know pancakes and whatever it is that Denny that you may one. want. Um, no question, but hey, there were a lot of bodyguards in town. Governor DeSantis here in the Miller Electric booth. Um, Did you have any? Do you walk around with No, but I, I I I was uh uh and, and then when when I wanted to uh say something to Al Michaels <laughs> I, you got uh like I got moved a Heisman. Away. No, I got a Heisman. Yeah. I got the Heisman. I just wanted to size up Al cuz he's so pathetic these days. I just kind of wanted to breathe on him a little bit and let him know that us folks here in Duval expect a little bit more. Yeah. Uh out of him. He's getting crushed. By everybody. He is by getting destroyed. People. Well, you know, I want to take a break. But I I just want to say this. I think we're blessed with unbelievable broadcasters. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, national broadcasters. 
And Al Michaels, for all the greatness that he has done, it's so sad to realize that he's making a million dollars a game. And there are so many fans out there who work their ass off all day in a job that they probably cannot stand. And they use football as their diversion to kind of get away from it all, have a couple of cold beers, have some laughs, maybe put 50 bucks on the game. And to listen to a man like him act like he doesn't want to be there, he's miserable, he hates the game because of the penalties and the reviews, he cannot stand the opponents, the teams that he gets on a weekly basis. Hey, listen, I understand complaining. I actually like it. It's fun. Outside of pouting, I think complaining is the best thing that a grown-ass man can do. All right? But he's not going to get any sympathy. He's making people feel bad for him. And he's cashing a million-dollar check. It's time for Al Michaels to go away. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Happy birthday, Mick. Not Mick Jagger, but Mick Taylor. It's a little bit of a deep cut. But for me, it's one of my all-time favorite songs by the Rolling Stones. This is all Mick Taylor. It's not Keith Richards. For those of you who do not know, Mick uh, was the guitarist before Ronnie Wood, when Ronnie Wood left Faces. But the solo towards the end of this to me is one of the great rock and roll anthems of all time. Just my opinion. That's I it. I think we should let the six-minute song ride then. Let's go across the street and have a cocktail. Yeah. But what? It was Brian Jones, and then it was um, Mick Taylor, then it became, again, um, Ronnie Wood. I guess the Stones are going on tour again. Uh, of course. Who who retires first, Tom Brady or the Rolling Stones? Well, the or Stones are twice their age. Al Michaels. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to Mick. Pick. Just sensational. So underrated. I can. I read Keith Richards' book, uh, Life. He didn't even mention this song or Mick Taylor. Well, in that's song. what I was going to say. I can always count on you to give me like a deep cut for my play- playlist. This is what goes on late night at my bar, man. Typically just with myself and, and the old Reggie Jefferson uh, black Louisville slugger. All right, let's get back to some calls. Yeah, I hate the Al thing. I do. I, I mean, people hang on too long. It's sad because he's like a legend to me. There's no doubt. I mean, his call with the the miracle on ice. But I, in 86, everyone remembers the Buckner era. What people forget is that in 1986, 
The Red Sox were also in the American League Championship Series. They were down three games to one to the California Angels. Gene Mock was the skipper. I mean, you had Brian Downing in left. You had Bobby Gritch. You had Reggie Jackson. You had Doug DeSensei. Don Baylor. No, actually, Baylor was on Boston. And Baylor hit a home run. He goes, Downing goes, bye. And then Dave Henderson, the late. Boy, can you believe both Don Baylor and Dave Henderson have died? Don Baylor died? That is so sad to me. But Hendu hit a homer. Bro, they brought all the horses out for security. They had the cops on horses. And the guy who gave up the home run, Donnie Moore, took his life. Wow. Yes, he could never get over giving up that home run. So, so, and that was game five? That was game five. You had to go back to game six and game seven. Boston had to win three straight in order to get to the World Series. They destroyed him in game six. Against seven. the New York Mets. Ten to four, eight to one, last two games of the But season. Al Michaels called those games. And Al Michaels was phenomenal. But, I, you know, we hear it all the time. People, they stay on too late. Um, I mean, even up three years ago on NBC, Sunday Night Football, he was awesome. He was still, like, the best. Yeah, but I've been complaining about him for a long time. And I haven't been complaining about his skill his skill set dropping. I've been complaining about him just being unhappy with the game. And, and for those who passionately listen, I think you would agree with me. This man has been bitching about the officiating forever. Now, listen, I come in here all the time and complain about the officiating. As a matter of fact, really the only time I complain is when my teams don't play well or it has something to do with the officiating. But this is something that I've been on for a number of years. He has been, like, he hates the reviews. He hates the penalties. But I do, too. Uh, okay, so maybe that is. I see myself in him. Or, maybe that's you know, appealing to some to some fans. I, I just said, I guess. I'll come in here and complain for two hours about the <laughs> officiating and if my team loses. But when you're in that position and you're calling the game, don't you take the high road a little bit? I mean, Tarico does. Nance does. Younger Buck guys. does. Yes. I, I think he's just like, hey, I'm at this age. I'm a legend. I am going to complain for the people who can't complain, you know, for me, for the guy at home. Because the product has been stepped on with the amount of time we have to see the officials every game. I can't stand it. That's why, like – as a neutral watching the Jags Chargers game, I enjoy that. I I enjoy the letting the guys play. I mm-hmm. don't need to see a flag every passing down. I uh, Al Michaels is probably in the same category as Pat Summerall and Dick Enberg, and Jack Buck, and Kirk Gowdy, and Charlie Jones, and 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 Keith Dick Stockton, and Dick Stockton, and, and, and guys like that. But the game has changed. They didn't call penalties. I was watching today. It was I, it was either 40 or 40 or 50, it must have been 40 years to the day that former Jaguars running back coach Ernest Bonner had that fumble going in. Cleveland going in against Denver. He fumbled at the two. Mm-hmm. And it was Dick Enberg and Merlin Olsen on the call. And it was a great call. 
It was an unbelievable game. But they didn't call penalties then the way that they call penalties now. I don't know. I, I just think it's a sad ending. We see it. We see it in a lot of places. We see it with athletes. Uh, we see it with broadcasters. We 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 see it. Um, I mean, look at look at. We see it with radio personnel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Look at Lee Corso. That's sad. I mean, they're still walking Lee Corso I don't, out. ESPN is really rubs me the wrong way with that. Lee I mean, Corso's of course, a Lee's legend. Not stop wanting no. to do that, but they have to step in and be like. Hey, man, you're not well enough to be on television. And it's it, awkward. And for the record, I'd like to say that I, I'm i just being told this because I told you I I will not watch ESPN game day. I haven't in years. If I watch anything, I'll watch Fox. I just They sold out, you know, about a decade ago. But it's tough. It's tough to be told this time. Absolutely. Look at all these musicians, for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, they keep coming back. Deep Purple's in town next week. I mean, next month. I think America's here tomorrow night. I, I saw them a that. year ago. I, I do, too. I saw them last year. They were fantastic. All right, let's grab Art. He is next up. He goes into the night. Welcome. Hey, Rick. Uh, nice to talk to you. And, and the last thing I want to talk to you about is that Al Michaels thing. But uh, first of all, I saw you at the tailgate a lot, Jay, after the game. Uh, how was that uh, super cold uh, round of golf for you <laughs> man it was a cold <laughs> it was uh let me tell you something man yeah th- th- those th- those post-game cocktails um kept flowing and that 9 a.m alarm clock came way too early the next morning way yeah, too I, early I'm, I'm still getting my voice back to be honest with you so yeah. i uh we don't need to talk about how you shot i can't imagine <laughs> I mean, the temperature of your, your golf club. But as, as far as what you're talking about, with the short passing and everything, and, you know, what happened in the first half, I think when Trevor Lawrence came out and it, it, we're in the shotgun formation against one of the league's worst NFL teams, to me that just seemed kind of ca- counterintuitive, and it, it didn't play out very well. And when the Titans had to face us, um, and they had Josh Dobbs, honestly, I thought Mike Vrabel, kind of laid out the game plan of how to give your quarterback a simple approach to a, a game with uh, a lot at stake. Would you, would you agree? Yeah. You know, it, I know you're in, uh, you're in Orlando art, so you may not be able to listen to all that much, but, but JJ will attest. I spent so much of my time during the week breaking down the game about how to score, how to defend the other team scoring in the last two weeks against Tennessee and L.A., if you were to go back and listen to what I said, you would think that I had never seen a football game in my life. Because all I talked about last week was lining the ball up and running the ball right at L.A. They had one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. They've given up 147 yards a game. And, you know, the turnovers affected it, and it forced them to change what they were doing. But even really early in the game, it felt like they were passing first, running second against a defense that absolutely could not handle the run. Yeah, and sometimes you think, well, you're trying to outsmart the team. Like, they know that they're bad at the run, so they're going to stack the box. And you kind of end up outthinking yourself. And then ultimately, you know, Doug Peterson 
Doug Peterson proved that the T formation actually was the play that <laughs> the <wing> T. <laughs> Yeah. You know? I love it. I mean, and that's another one, man. I mean, a T formation. And they did it earlier this year in um, in Los Angeles. That's when they had Sheriff Pohl. They had the three guys in the left seal. And that's when James Robinson ran it for 50 yards. But, yeah, I, I don't think anyone saw them running a lateral play on fourth and one, yet that's what this football team did, and it worked. All right, all right, anything else for you? Well, you know, uh, yes, anything else. Al Michaels, like, come on with that guy. He is an, it's like a glory hound. He is a has-been, if it's not New York, if it's not the Dallas Cowboys, if it's not some other team that he has some sort of love for himself personally, he's going to tune out. So no more Al Michaels. Let's retire that guy. Hopefully his call retired him. Whatever he gave, he did not give us his best. It was a snoozer, and you're right. Frank Frangie, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Vaselli, our local radio broadcast, put them to shame, and so do you, Rick. Love you guys, and there's no way that any Jaguar fan can doubt the Jags this weekend against the Chiefs. We're going to go there, and I'm not doubting these guys ever again. We've got a shot, and who knows, we might do it. All right, Art, thank you very much. Uh, and, yes, it was a great call uh, by Frank. And I I heard the national call as well on radio. Ian, uh, uh, Ian, Ian Eagle. Yeah. Ian Eagle and um, – He's phenomenal. I think it's Jason McCourty who was in the – Former Patriots. I mean, making calls the way – it was McCourty's brother. They're twins. Devin. One has been in New England forever. I think that's Jason. Uh, or actually, no, I think it's Devin who's been in New England forever. Jason played in New England for like two years. He was with Tennessee and a couple of other teams. But but both those radio calls were absolutely spectacular. And before we have the break, do, do we have Al's call? Um, I have Ian Eagles quickly. All right, let's hear Ian Eagles. And here we go. Man. Matisic, the snapper. Cook, the holder. Patterson sweeps the leg. 36-yard attempt. It is good! <laughs> Jacksonville wins it! <laughs> I can't believe what we just witnessed. The Jaguars down 27 points come from behind. The roar of the Jaguars is real. Ooh. All right. Um, now let me get up. Wait, <laughs> well, hold on. That was, that was a pretty good call, but I, I got it. Jason McCourty, by Jason, the way. Jason McCourty, I don't care what. He is the greatest color analyst I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he just tried, you, know does, you, know, you know who does that? You know who laughs a lot like that? Is, is our buddy Artis Gilmore. Oh, on JU Broadcast. Loves a good laugh. I, so right now, I'm just what before we play uh, Al's call, <laughs> I, I got to say that right now, um, you know, everyone talks about Tony Romo. And, uh, screw that. Jason McCordy is my favorite <laughs> analyst in the NFL. <laughs> he said nothing. All right. So, and, 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 and we'll, you know, we'll play Frank's call as well, which, you know, we've played on this station quite a bit uh, since the kick. And it's a phenomenal call by Frangie. However, let's get Al Michaels' game-winning call. Likely on Kansas City. Here we go for Here the win. Go. 
got it, but there's a flag down. There's a flag down as everybody's running out onto the field. Oh, he's annoyed! But there's a penalty marker. And they call it on the defense. Well, that's, they call it on the defense. I guess that means the game's over, right? Al was distracted and annoyed that everyone was running. Oh, they're going to have to clear everyone off the field. Uh, I mean. Love that. <laughs> what a curmudgeon. He mentions a flag twice and that everyone's on the field before he even tells us that the kick is good. Yeah. All right, let's get ready for our second hour. He's JJ. I'm Rick Ballew. This is the home of the Jacks. Cook puts it down. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game and move on! How good is that? Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, that's how you call a game-winning field goal. The Jaguars Radio Network and Frank Frangi with the call. All right, let's get ready for our second hour. Hey, it's Joey Boza. Excuse me, is that Joey Boza or the guy who runs the Tilt-A-Whirl? <laughs> Joey Joey Boza, man. He has a very Florida look. It, well, I think it, they are from South Florida. Oh, yeah. yeah. St. Thomas Aquinas, guys. I, I just, you know, and who am I to rip someone else? Who am I? Right? But he's supposed to be a star. He's supposed to be, when healthy, you know, arguably a top 10 player in the league, top 15, top 20 player in the league. He and his brother both. He had a huge part in costing them that game. Uh, you know, I I guess you can't have it both ways because I'm the same guy who calls for emotion. I'm the same guy on the sideline, wants to see someone uh, truly get angry and flip a table. And by the way, we're seeing more and more of that out of Trevor Lawrence, which I, I think is a, a good thing moving forward. I, I, I don't want anything to be bottled up. He must have been listening to our show around, like, October-ish. He's a big listener. Yeah, he is. On his way to Waffle House. <laughs> he and his wife have his it on. truck, yeah. But the Boza one is weird, man. I, I just I can't explain it. I wish I could. Maybe you can Walker Little, man, 39 pressures, not uh, 39 dropbacks, not one pressure. I, I'm fascinated, and I'm going to move on because obviously there's a huge game on Saturday, but I'm fascinated with what this team is going to do during the offseason. I, I, I just don't think they can afford to go bring back Juwan Taylor, and you know, he's only 24. I just think the market value for him and where this team is against the cap that that they are not going to be able to afford it. Hey, before I grab this call, let, let me tell you that Luke Fortner, unfortunately, was added to the first injury report that came out today, again, for a third consecutive week because the Jaguars are playing on Saturday. Uh, we have an early injury report. Let me give it to you right now. Uh, Kendrick Pryor, wide receiver, with a shoulder limited. Trevor Lawrence with the toe 
limited once again. Wasn't he wasn't he a DMP last week? I think he was on a Tuesday. Jamal Agnew, the shoulder, limited. Uh, deep snapper Ross Matisic with the back did not practice today. Brandon Sheriff with the abdomen did not practice today. You're starting right guard, and now they add the center. Luke Fortner with his back, he was limited today. Uh, obviously, Kansas City had a whole week off. Uh, McCole Hardman with his pelvis did not practice today. Frank Clark, the defensive end, growing was limited. And then you had wide receiver Sky Moore and defensive back Legereus Sneed with a hand and a hip, respectively, uh, both practiced in full today. So Kansas City's coming in here in really good shape, as you would expect. And I also saw, and he'd been kind of invisible, but they pulled him off the IR today. Uh, Clyde uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was taken off the IR today. He will practice. Doesn't mean he's, he's going to play. I mean, that happened this past week to uh, Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman for the Los Angeles Chargers. They brought him off, and he did not play in their loss last Saturday. I thought Clyde to was going to be a beast in the NFL. He was as a rookie. And then he disappeared. Like he had, he was such a great pass catcher at LSU. You know, in that Burrow offense, I'm like, this is like cheating for the Chiefs to get this guy, and it really hasn't it was, panned out. It was the last pick of the first round, exactly. And but they just like plug anybody in at that running back position. Like Pacheco looks great. You know, Mc, McKissick is that his name? It sounds right. Looks good. That offense is just a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Because I remember as a rookie, man, he was filling it up. As a rookie, he played 13 games, 181 carries, 803 yards. He gave you 4.4 a carry, four touchdowns, caught 36 balls that year for another 297 yards. Since then, last year, 119 carries, 517. All right, average 4.34 touches, still serviceable. This year, he only got the ball 71 times, 302 yards, 4.3 a carry, and three touches. All right, so his average per carry is the same. His receptions, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe there still is some production there uh, for Hilaire. We'll see what happens. It feels like it's really gone away. But when I look at the numbers, you know, only 10 games this year, uh, yet the carries are down significantly. In three more games two years ago, he had 110 more carries in three games. So obviously they have gotten away from him. Let's get to uh, Lee, who was next up. He goes into the night. How you doing, Lee? Hey, Rick. How you doing? Good. Doing well. All right. I got one question for you. Which team wins, the 2017 Jaguars or, the, or today's Jaguars? Which team is better to you? Well, it's a really, it's a really good question, and and you know I'll say this to you: on paper, the 2017 team was better. They were a top five scoring offense. They were a top five scoring defense. You had three All Pros on the defensive side. This team doesn't have an All Pro. Um, the only thing they were, the only thing that they were, you know, the the only thing that scares me a little bit about 
the 2017 defense is they gave up too many yards on the ground. And I wonder if Jacksonville could line up and run the ball right at them. Now, listen, offensively, you know, the Jaguars had a good offensive year in that particular season with Fournette and, what, uh, Alan Hearns, um, who was oh, in 2017, who went north of 1,000? Was it uh, was it Hearns then? Do you remember, J.J.? I think it was Alan Hearns in 2017. Let's see. Mark East Lee was on that team. Receiving. I don't even remember who the big receiver was. Keelan Cole had 700 yards. Mark East Lee had 700 yards. Uh wow, were they the leading receivers on that team? They might have been. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking right now. Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, Alan Hearns. He Hearns. got hurt. He only had 480 uh, yards that year. Yeah, he he was having a decent year, 484, but he he went down with an injury. I uh, I right, anyway, the point I'm trying to make That's is That's crazy that Keelan Cole led that team oh. and receiving yards that year. Well, oh my god. I I I mean that that was a year that the Jaguars were top five in scoring offense, but they also had six, I want to say six defensive touchdowns <laughs> that year, which added to their overall points uh, per game. I just, you know what? Here's my easy answer. Give me this year's offense and the 2017 defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a toss of the coin. I, I honestly think... I would take this team only because they have showed a way to come from behind and win games. What about, about coaching? You? I mean, that, that coaching and quarterback play, bigly, uh, to use a word from our former president, I would go with this team. Well, um, there's no doubt that the combination of, of uh, Doug Peterson and his staff compared to Doug Marone and Nate Hackett there's there's no question Give about Peterson it. that lead late in New England see what happens yeah what uh, do you think Lee who who would you pick uh, Lee's gone all right anyway um yeah dang Lee didn't even give us it, your answer it's it's uh it's a great question I, in 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 you know I this defense was fierce but, I mean Telvin had a touchdown that year Miles Jack Calais, Yannick Dante Fowler Gibson, but that's what Jaylen, sticks out Boye. it's not the offense oh no I mean, you look back on that, and Malik, it's like there he is. Bortles had a career year, okay? A career year for him was a quarterback rating of 84.7. He threw for 3,600 yards, an average of 7-1, threw 21 touchdowns, 13 picks. Uh, he also ran the ball for 322 yards. But if you look back at this football team, Leonard Fournette, Chris Ivory, TJ Yeldon, Corey Grant, okay? As a unit, they ran for 2,262 yards. The one stat about this team that I do bring up every once in a while that I love, 527 pass attempts, 527 rushing attempts. And is that that's this year's team? That was in 2017. Oh, okay. 527 apiece. That's outrageous. But honestly, look at the skill guys that this team had. Bortles, Fournette, Ivory... Yeldon Grant, your leading receiver was Keelan Cole. Then it was Marquise Lee. Then it was Alan Hearns and D.D. Westbrook. 
Okay, you still have Mercedes Lewis. Uh, early in the year, Allen Robinson, you know, went out with the injury. It, it's not an overly talented offensive group. The dominant team was absolutely the defense, but the defense really aided the offense by doing what? Getting three and outs, creating good field position, giving Jacksonville the short field, uh, putting them in a position where, you know, they could score. Uh, that year, Josh Lambeau, uh, he had he played te- – actually, that was the year they cut Myers and brought in Lambeau. So, outside of missing P- – I mean, that year, Lam- uh, Myers was, was 11 of, of 15 in field goals. Not great. No, not great, but it's still okay. He missed four. He obviously he, he couldn't make PATs. That's what got him. And yeah. then like the next year, I don't think he missed a single field goal for the Seahawks. No, he didn't. <laughs> These and, kickers are weird. And Lambo didn't miss either. Lambo right. came in and went nineteen of twenty two, and then really kept that going. But that's just so weird about when when you because when you ask me a question like that, the only thing that comes to mind to me is their defense, not their offense. And that was a club that was dominated by their defense, and the defense set up their offense, where this year it's totally different. You think of this year's Jaguars team, it's an offensive team. And, you know, will your defense bend but do not break? Say what you want about 27 nothing and coming from behind and winning, but if the defense doesn't do its job, you don't win that game. The defense allowed, after giving up 27, which, as you know, by watching the game, you talk about a short field. Once again, I think the longest drive the entire game for Justin Herbert was 68 yards. Everything else was inside the 50. It was, it was short uh, for them. As a matter of fact, we come back. Let's take a look at that, and we'll grab some more phone calls as well. 641-1010, best way to get us. You can also do so on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That number is 641-1010. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Ah, it's great storytelling. Little taste of some mother's nature and sounds that much better. What do the kids call it these days? Some stone? I wouldn't know, actually. I know you wouldn't. Neither would I. It's been a while since I was a kid. Tough enough to get up just after cocktails. Like that collar <laughs> art out of Orlando, man. I uh, I told you, Hayes had to go back up to the box to write. So after the press conference and everything, I, I drifted the lot, Jay. And started cannonballing with the people. <laughs> 9 a.m. next morning, getting up to play golf. Man, it's rough. The older you get, it's rough. I tried the Pedialyte thing. It's just, it's too medicine-y it for me. It tastes so gross. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm like not a medicine guy. I'll take my risk. I knew it was going to be Red Eyes. I knew it was going to be Bloody Marys. Uh, but still, it was, and, and, and I will say this, it was chilly. It's a hell of a lot easier to deal with a hangover when it's cold. 
than it is when it's blaring hot. Mm. Now, you'll sweat it out. You'll sweat out the hangover, but it's still, you know, you just need so much water in you. You need so much fluid in you where, you know, on uh, the day after the Jags guy, I could get away with, uh, I think I had two Baileys and coffee. That's the way to do it. You got to tie, tie oh, one on. Oh, Christmas Eve, all the Baileys and coffee? I've never drank so much coffee in my life. You know, speaking of Lache, I heard there was a lot of J's in the air, if you know what I mean. Oh, really? In the stadium and outside the stadium, which I appreciate both. I didn't. Jags fans were partying it up. I, I didn't smell that. Seattle. Seattle and Denver the worst. The black hole Oakland, was the worst. When yeah. Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars closed the black hole, I could smell it literally on the field <laughs> as a sideline reporter. Let's throw it down. If you're wondering why I'm no longer the side, even though it happened a few years after the fact, let's throw it down to Rick Bagu. He's got a report. Uh, Rick, you there? Yeah, man. Groovy. Isn't this what? Oakland, not too far from the hate Nashbury, right? It's cool to be here for like Jerry the Garcia. last game, guys. It's like, you know, sometimes. Janis Joplin. The events just, you know. The mamas and the bigger papas. than us, man. Hunter S. Thompson, you know, Hunter Thompson. I mean, isn't this it? The Farrell Brothers. You know where the Farrell Brothers are? I don't. But I, I have a buddy who went to Hayden Ashbury recently, um, and he said it's just it's just heroin addicts, like uh, homeless heroin addicts everywhere. It's not the same as it was in the 60s. The drugs have certainly changed. I always have a good time there. I mean, we lost okay. Scott. We, we lost Scott Kushner last year. Yeah, I remember that. He's our in. He when I was the eight years that I was the sideline reporter, he was our engineer. Great young man, and um, we lost him last year when we were in Indianapolis, right there in the team hotel. It was it was tragic. Um, but I'm trying to remember. It was that Oakland, and then I think it was Oakland. I th- all the these Niners. games run together. I think we went out there as well for a San Francisco, a matchup in San Fran. And he and I went to hate Nashbury. And we got into some old speakeasies and stuff. I, I didn't I didn't see what your buddy okay. with what your buddy saw. I'm I'm sure it's around, but I even took my kids. You know, I did that vacation probably like six or seven years ago with my kids, and you know, we had gone from one we had done all sorts of different things and Alcatraz and all that. And they finally got mm. tired. So they stayed in with my girlfriend and she's like, well, go out for a little bit. I'm like, okay. Took a cab to, to Hayton, to Hayton Ashbury, man. That, that's where the whole, that's where the entire hippie movement began. Yes. Can you imagine what it would have been like there in the late sixties? And then, <laughs> You know, the summer of love in 67. And, and that's where Manson, Manson came out of jail from there. He was not in Alcatraz. As a matter of fact, I think Alcatraz, I, I don't even know what year that closed, even though I visited. But he was rolling by in his bus, and he picked up Squeaky Frome and a bunch of others, and then they went to Los Angeles. 1963 Alcatraz closed. Only the, operated for 29 years. The Farrell Brothers were the first ever, like, live sex shows. And those type of uh, events. What, they ran it? They ran it. And then one of the brothers ended up murdering the other brother. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 
It got you talk about drugs. It it got quite complicated. Pretty good book on them though. I recommend it. Whenever and, I search Farrell Brothers, well, one of those all I'm years, getting is uh, Step Brothers, the movie. One of those years, Hunter S. Thompson was like was writing all about it, and he got like some. Hunter S. Thompson is another thing. It's just, you know, it's like there's certain movies. Like every time I watch The Godfather, I I I, I see something new that I didn't know the first time I saw. It. You know how there's movies like that. No matter how many times you see it, or shows. No matter what it is, you learn something every time. The Godfather, I see like, a, oh, I didn't notice that. Every time I read Hunter S. Thompson, it's like it gets more and more confusing because he drifts off uh, into so many different directions. <laughs> By the way, it's the Mitchell Brothers. It's O'Farrell oh, Theater. Oh, 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 my bad. My bad. The Mitchell Brothers. Uh, Thompson okay. called it the Carnegie Hall of Public Sex in America. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson's great. You just don't know what to believe and what not to believe. And yeah. he gets away with it because he was so damn wasted. He doesn't know if he did it or not. Yeah, I heard a lot of the stuff about the, uh, what was the the biker gang? The Hells Angels. Was not happy with some of the lies that he put in there. That's the same place out there in Northern California where, you know, we were talking about the Rolling Stones earlier. That's where the man was murdered when he pulled the gun, the Hells Angels killed them at a concert right with like pool cues they were security right in <laughs> they early hired hell's angels to be security they hired the hell they hired the hell's angels for a couple cases of beer wow and they rode their harleys in and, and drove a path through the crowd one of the hell's angels went on went on stage when jefferson airplane was playing and punched um mm-hmm. marty balin knocked him out on stage, okay? Next to Grace Slick, the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane. Knocked him right out. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Well, the folks are getting in. 0976 is blue. Yeah, we're cheap, getting a ton of time. Cheap Trick's in on the 15th of March at the Florida Theater. I just saw Cheap Trick with, uh, with Rod Stewart right before the beginning of, uh, of football season. Here's another one, blue, drip drop, 100% better than Pedialyte. What is drip drop? Let me Google that. Sounds disgusting. Drip drop, yeah, I mean, they, they need you need a better name than drip drop. Drip drop to me is like trying okay, to it's potty, like, cha- uh, potty train like a, you know, a two-year-old boy. It's electrolytes, so it's like a little powder you put into water. That's called a drip drop. Drip drop, O-R-S. Great tasting solution, available in three flavors. Honestly, what I do is drink about 140 ounces of Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's the best thing for me to get over a hangover is the Diet Mountain Dew. I'm going to write Doctors that down. Doctors recommend. Though. Drip drop. Okay. Final thoughts coming up. Hacker tonight at 8. Hey, let me tell you. Uh, Hacker at 10. Tomorrow night, 6 to 8. Thursday night, 6 to 8. Fleming Island. All right. Mr. Chubby's Wings. And then Friday, 3 until Six. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Sean Payton interviewed in Houston over the last couple of days. I'd just soon keep him out of the AFC South. I could be a fool to go to Houston, even though they're going to have a tra- draft pick. I mean, I think Sean Payton's one of those guys that 
As long as you can't prove tampering in any way, you fire a guy to hire him. That's kind of the word around the NFL. I I told you I was going to give you the drive chart because we were talking about the 2017 team compared to this year's team. And again, how I think of defense in 2017, but also the defense deserves a lot of credit for some of these wins as of late. Defensive touchdowns, but also stops. And even though they're down 27-0, it, you know, they were up against it as far as field position, but they did their job in the second half. You, you look at the possession and the drive chart for L.A. during their scores on Saturday. After the pick, they went two plays, 18 yards. They had the ball at Jacksonville's 18 for a touchdown. They then had a... A very good drive after their second interception. They got it their own 39. They went 12 plays, 57 yards. Settled for a field goal. Uh, Third touchdown. Three plays, 16 yards. Unbelievable, the field position. I mean, two of those three turnovers, they took over at Jacksonville's 18, and they took over at Jacksonville's 16. Um. After a punt, the best drive of the day for Justin Herbert against Jacksonville's defense was an 11-play, 67-yard drive. Ended up being a touchdown. Then after the muff punt, how about the defense after the punt that hit Chris Claybrooks in the helmet? They took the ball over. You know, honestly, J.J., because of the way that they came back, this gets lost. But now that we've had a little bit more uh, of a period of time to examine this game, what the defense did, that muff punt, L.A. took the ball over at Jacksonville's six. They ran four plays and got one yard. They had to settle for a field goal. They had to settle for like a 22 and a 23-yard field goal uh, and like a 30-something-yard field goal on Saturday. Defense did everything they could to keep this team in the game. All, if, if, if Herbert hits you know, on one of those touchdowns instead of a field goal, the game's probably over. The I, Jags probably don't come back. I, I'm sure that in L.A. they're running this – I mean, think about around here where the Miles Jack wasn't down, and even to this day I complain about Nate Hackett and that offense mm. uh, in Foxborough in the fourth quarter where they clearly did not try to win that game. They tried to sit on a lead. Can you imagine what they're thinking about now in L.A.? And I'm sure all the Lakers. Yeah, all the stuff that's going on. Well, I'm talking more about the yeah, team. Yeah, I know. I am just. Yeah. You get the ball at the six, and – that's your fifth your fifth takeaway? Uh, the, the common thought has got to be, that's it. The opponent's done. They've caved in. Let's plow this in for seven, and this game becomes unreachable. But uh-uh. Jacksonville stones them three straight times. The play and they I, had to settle for a field goal. The play I go back to, and I have for the last two days, is the third and one right before halftime, they have the 27 nothing lead or 20, yeah, 7 nothing lead. And they run a play that apparently they've tried it like nine times this year for negative yards. It never works. And of course it didn't work. 
And if they get that first down there, I, I think they probably keep the ball. They don't have to score, but they just run the clock out and the Jags don't score before half. We all know that that score before half changed everything. It got them within three scores. It was, you know, three scores in one half isn't a lot, especially not in the NFL. If they get that first down, it's over. Jacksonville, (laughs) this is amazing. Jacksonville scores on every single one of their possessions from the two-minute warning in the second quarter Throughout the remainder of the game, and I knew they would. Shockingly, I don't. It's just something about the way this team's come back. You're, you're just like they're gonna score every single drive here. The Chargers have to at least score a touchdown, and they didn't. Do you realize that in the fourth quarter, L.A. had the football for two minutes longer than Jacksonville, and Jacksonville put up all those. I mean, listen, to Jacksonville right before the two-minute warning, seven plays, forty-seven yards. Take 125 off the clock, make it a 27-7 game. Third quarter, Jacksonville gets the ball. 14 plays, 89 yards, man. They take 717 off the clock. You make it a 27. Uh, was it a 14 game there, or do they go for two and and miss? Anyway, I don't I don't have that in front of me. Next one, a five plays, 68 yards. They made it 14 to 27. That must have been a uh, the pass to Zay Jones, five plays, 68 yards, okay? Nine plays, 64 yards. Uh, the, the one to Zay Jones, five plays, 68 yards, took 214 off the clock. That's the one where they missed the uh, two-pointer. Okay, very next touchdown, nine plays, 64 yards. They ran nine plays for 64 yards and took three minutes and 22 seconds off the clock. Usually when you put together a drive that's nine plays or double-digit drives, we're, we're talking about six, seven minutes off the clock, okay? They took 322 off the clock. That's how fast-paced they were. You know, it was a huge play on that drive. Um, you know, they get the ball back immediately. You're like, oh, they're going to go down there and score. Trevor gets sacked for like 10 yards, negative 10 yards, like first play of the drive. You're thinking like, damn, you know, and then they get a, a pass interference on a nothing play. It was like maybe for a four yard uh, a completion or something, but they get a pass interference, get the free first down and set the whole thing going after that. Lots of devil's lettuce in section 103 <laughs> yeah. Saturday night. Can you give us the current odds for the Jaguars this weekend? AFC championship and Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, I can. Uh, here's the deal. I love the smell of it. I do. I don't know if I was congested. I don't know what was up. I did not smell it at all in the stadium. I did not smell it in La J. Maybe I'm losing my fastball uh, a little bit. I I love the stench of it. You're washed. It, it remind maybe I maybe I'm like <laughs> Al Michaels. You know, people are blowing doobies right in my face, and I'm not even aware of it. <laughs> Just like, hey man, what's what's going on? Did you see uh, before you give these odds? The coach of the Dolphins, McDaniel. Oh, yeah. Vaping? Hitting his vape during oh, yeah. the game? That's so old school. We need Him to bring and Snoop cigarettes Dog. back. Him and Snoop Dogg are the only two who can blow bones in a stadium legally. Listen, there's some. There's one coach uh, in Italy, a soccer coach, who smokes cigarettes on the sideline, but like I don't see that anywhere anymore. Uh, we definitely need to bring we that back. We used to see that in baseball. Oh, in, yeah. Managers in the dugout. Jimmy Leland. 
and, and stuff like that. All right, let me give you odds. First off, this weekend, Kansas City favored by 8.5, the total 53. Jacksonville to win the AFC is plus 1,200. Okay, Kansas City's your leader at plus 140. If you don't know what that means, you lay 100 bucks down. KC wins it. You get back $140. Buffalo plus 180. You get back your 180. Of course, you get back your 100 that you laid. So, you know, you could say 240 or uh, 280. Uh, Cincinnati plus 320 to the dollar. And then it's Jacksonville plus 1,200. So you laid out 100 bucks right now on Jacksonville. You get back 1,200. You get back your 100. You get back 1,300. How does that sound? Super Bowl plus 2,500. All right. Before last night's game, they were. I think eight out of nine. Um, I got to believe they're eight out of eight now. Although, no, I, I think they're seven out of eight. I think the Giants have lesser odds than Jacksonville. But plus 2500 So that same $100 will get you back $2,500. Uh, you know, the Jags are the first game. Then at 815 after Jacksonville at Kansas City, you get New York at Philly. They'll meet for a third time. Philly favored by seven and a half, your total 48. Sunday at three, Cincinnati in Buffalo. Buffalo favored by five, total is 48. And then Dallas goes to San Francisco. San Francisco, a four-point favorite. What a hard game to handicap. I I just have trouble picking Brock Purdy over Dak Prescott. I, that's why I would just take the team with the points. If I'm getting points for either one of those teams, I'll take it. So a plus four. Even though I think San Francisco is going to win, I would bet the underdog in that game. Did the Philly Rooster tear it up last week or what? Philly Rooster told us that in a case like this, you always play the, the team getting to three, New York. They won oh, yeah. outright. He also said his biggest play of the weekend was what? Dallas going into Tampa Bay. Made me 50 bucks last night. Did he really? He did. Philly Rooster does it all for free. Ladies and gentlemen, this would check once that again. That was like the easiest bet all season. I thought it was too. I, I, I just didn't feel good. But even uh, he's missing those extra points, and I'm like, is that going to come back to bite me? So <laughs> Cincinnati Buffalo, oh, obviously that that was the game that was canceled. Yes. Okay. So we do know that, you know, the Jags will play the Chiefs for a second time. Uh, New York will play Philadelphia for a third time. Dallas and San Francisco, off the top of my head, I have no clue if they actually played earlier this year. Let me take a look at it. Dallas, I do not. They didn't. Yes, they did not play. We'll start to get into those games tomorrow. Well, actually, we won't. We'll spend a little bit on them, but we're going to talk much more about Jacksonville uh, tomorrow. Wednesday's a big day around here. Of course, the game coming up Saturday at 4.30. All right, tomorrow night, 6 to 8, Thursday, 6 to 8. We're out in Fleming Island at Mr. Chubby's Wings. Special show on Friday. We'll be with you from 3 until 6. Hackers coming up next. For JJ, my name is Rick Blue. I don't check the text line now that the show is over. If you want to get a hold of me, get me on Twitter. That is Baloo1010XL. Baloo.